When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Are we live? (laughs) We're live. Okay, we're live. Hello, dear listener. Should we give it like a, you know, like, cause I don't, I don't really want to know how many people are watching or not, I guess. So. <laughs> I mean, there's a counter that's telling us, but you know, we don't, okay. we also don't need to do that. Um, right, cause, um, yeah, we are. Yeah. are watching. Oh no. <laughs> In living <laughs> color. <laughs> uh, cause I wanted, I wanted to try to share it and all, you know, but I wanted to, you know, wait till we got some folks watching. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you doing, Joe? I'm, we I'm doing our, well. I'm yeah. doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. You know, I'm here again, lying. Where nobody's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> um, that will make more sense, I guess, when people hear the next episode. The next episode. Yeah, yes. the bar. We, we're trying to set the bar to a place where it's um, uh, like we could be honest, you know, mm-hmm. and say we're doing, I'm doing pretty well. For the horrors that are uh, going on, you know, like I don't have yes. COVID. I'm not on a ventilator. Clearly, mm-hmm. well, you, can, you don't know. You can see me. You well, may have true, it, but I'm not but... sick. You know, I'm yes. not actively sick. So, you know, like that's that's you're good. not symptomatic. Yeah. So I, I have to be every day. We have to be, you know, glad for the little the little things. Yes, I take a deep breath every morning. And um, as long as I'm still able to do that, it's a good morning. <laughs> uh, my goodness. Well, that it's good nice. to see you. It's good to see you. Look at us. We can actually see each other. We've never really done this. It's the first time. I can't believe in all this time that this has been going on. I mean, people have been broadcasting, you know, stream, uh, whatever you call this, uh, live streaming since day one of this thing. And we're now, what, 18, 19 weeks in? And we're like, let's do a live stream. <laughs> And here we are. Late to the party. But that's all right. Let's uh, let's get going with bring on our special guest, uh, familiar to our, our dear listener out there. Uh, Professor TJ has been on the show quite a few times to talk about various uh, horror rings. And we're so, so happy that he agreed to join us today to uh, dive into Demon Knight. Uh, but we'll get to that first. Let's bring him on. Hello, hello. Well, hello, babies. Hi. Oh, there you are. Hi. <laughs> Hello. You guys. Oh, my goodness. Welcome back to the uh, West Craven Memorial. Well, no. It, what is, did anyone die that we need to rem- remind? Uh, the, 
remote learning annex. Right. right. <laughs> you have to be exhausted. I mean, I'm so glad that you agreed to do this because you're already like this is your whole life right now. Like I, teaching. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, shit, it's Sunday afternoon. Well, you know, after this, maybe I'll just record Monday's lecture because I'll just be like in a on the Internet sort of like way of being. So, yeah, this is our we just finished our first week of classes at USD. So we're all remote. We are relatively Rona free. We'll see. But, um, yeah, so that's that's how we live in our lives right now. Any uh, any ventings you need to do? <laughs> We're airing of the grievances. Oh my god! Uh, well, I mean, other than the the manifest incompetence of our nation and ability to handle um, this virus, I mean, that's a, that's shitty, right? Um, but no, I'm I'm doing okay. My students are pretty badass, so I'm okay with that. I like like Josefina and you, sweet sweet Jose. I like wake up most days anxious, and I'm like, is it breathing? Is it? Is it- <laughs> Is it just having a throat? Is that what it is? Or is it La Roña? Is, is la it Roña? La Roña? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, no, it's just breathing. She's breathing. Is it like, am I breathing? Or is this La, la, is, la Rona? It just, is the end? Is this is the beginning of the end? Because that's how my brain has gone for the last 24 weeks, right? So, oh, yeah. You know. Two more weeks and we're half a year. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to bring everybody down, but <laughs> the road already did that. So you fine, babe. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I keep track, right? So today is day 163 since, um, like my, everything got canceled. Like my, my last day of classes, like in person was March 13th. So I'm like, Oh, cool. Day one, day 163. <laughs> wow. <laughs> was Friday the 13th. <laughs> it was Friday the 13th. I gave yep. my students midterm. That was the last time they saw me. I was like, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. sorry. Now, here we are. Um, so are you keeping track on, like, a prison, like, like you know, hash mark I, system? I just have, I have a notebook. I have a notebook. Oh, okay. And every, every Saturday. Well, and then, of course, as you know, Joe, one of the things that, that we did at the very beginning and that I've continued is that our mutual friend, Mark, comes over and takes, a, takes an impromptu photo shoot of mm-hmm. us. Me slowly devolving into insanity. Each I mean, for me, it's impromptu when he comes and and does me. But like for you, it's like you have it's like out, it's <laughs> outfits, it's outfits. <laughs> your hair changes mid she turns like the Luke, the Luke, yes, Luke, Luke. She turns a Luke. It's true. There's a lot happening. Well, I mean, it was funny because it's like now I have a full catalog of when I became like every other uh, queer person that dyed their hair. Like bleached their hair, <laughs> and dyed their hair, and now has a mohawk. I'm like, okay, I have a whole photographic catalog. It's like yeah. if you if you flip these pictures in a book, <laughs> you can see me slowly descend into madness. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you watch the part where I actually lose touch with reality, which is what mm-hmm. the conservatives have said about professors already. So I'm really just happy to to fulfill their point. I've just lost. Yes. My- yeah. No, I, I the photos are always fun because it's like you like with a book or with your mug, you know. Sometimes you have no top on. That's very lovely, you know. It's very nice. Uh, I, I got to give the kids what they want. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's just it, yeah, exactly. You were serving it up. I mean, it's we're it's so hot out. We're so thirsty, you know. I mean, so we're so happy you're you. providing. You're <laughs> spilling. I, I can't. I do what I can. No, it's it's also like cataloged. Like for me, one of the things like. Not only did I just stop caring about my hair color, right? I then finally just gave in, like, so many ladies to caftans, right? I was like, what are pants? Mm-hmm. Why? Now, do I own nine caftans now? I don't know. Look at your own life. Yes. It's probably more than nine, right? <laughs> Maybe it's like 11. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
But yeah, it, it's a while though. That's what I was like. I'm not spending money on gas or lots of other things. What if I spend gas money on caftans? Yeah, so. exactly. Again, you're giving uh, us all permission. That's what I love about <laughs> you. You know, you, you you're just on there like, hey, by the way, you can buy all these caftans right here. Here they are. You should just go on the internet and purchase them for your body as well. <laughs> They're one size fits all. It's fine. Uh, wow. I, um, I, what did I do? I filled my gas tank up two weeks ago and it was the first time since March the 15th that I had yep. put gas in my car. Oh, wow. Um, was that, that is, the drive-in? Um, it was before the drive-in. So oh, like okay. I was all, I had just, uh, figured it out. Um, uh, uh Dr. Tally, please give us a brief history of, uh, the, of caftans. <laughs> <laughs> Google yeah, caftans. So it's like Google, two words. It's <laughs> hard. So, uh, yeah, so caftans themselves, they, they have, like, many things that we enjoy um, can, can veer into culturally appropriative territory. Uh, but caftans themselves are, like, a light, a light loose-fitting sort of, like, robe or gown that were sort of wildly popular um, in the late 19th, early 20th century, especially in the Ottoman Empire. Um, and so they're sort of like Turkish um, and it, it comes from like sort of like this sort of uh, near Eastern sort of um, provenance is the word I'd sort of think about it. But like the it's, uh, it, it's Arabic, it's Persian, it's Russian, but these are all sort of terms for like a loose fitting garment. It's also more like, what are pants? Why do we wear pants? Can we just have like a flowy robe? This is one of the better parts of it. So a classic caftan is like in a continuum with like a mumu. Right. Or sort of like a long, like free flowing garment. But um, yeah, it is. And I do own actually now a proper house dress. Oh, good. (laughs) The the Luke Vintage um, on Adams uh, has some pieces for sale and they had a house dress in my size. Right. A vintage 1970s floral house dress with pockets that um, that works. So I have like a floral house dress pockets that I started putting hard candies in because I'm just an 80 year old lady. And the last time I dyed my hair, when I dyed my hair this dark blue, I started, um, because I'm a black person, I already had, like, a silk bonnet that I, like... Take a drink, everybody. Take a shot. (laughs) I'm a black. It's time I said it this time as as a professional black. I have a silk bonnet, right? The type of, like, headgear that you wear to protect your pillowcases and your hair from a style. And so I was doing it to keep from staining my pillowcases, like, this electric blue. And so I I had the, the silk bonnet on. And I had these, like a pair of glasses and I threw on the house dress and some slippers and I stepped outside and my neighbor was like, oh, we're just not even pretending we're not an 80 year old grandma anymore. And I was like, <laughs> like hello, it. Mrs. Roper. It's I just was like, and then I reached in my pocket and I handed her a hard candy and I was like, in school. So what kind, yeah, of, what kind of hard candies? Um, so I, I love a Werther's original, but this okay. was like some sort of Classic. like, yeah, <laughs> the candy that John McCain himself loved. Uh, no, but I, uh, <laughs> it was like some sort of like citrus, like a hard citrus. I was like, it's fine. It's good. It may have been like, a, it feels like a lozenge. We need those in the time of the Rona. So. We need, we need lozenges. We do, for the tickles in our throats. It's, uh, yes. Cause that's the only, I mean, it, it's, there's some, definitely things that we're not getting tickled in our throats. You I know? mean, girl. It's hard. It's hard out there. Okay, with um, <laughs> not though. It's not. That's the problem. Like, I know. Like, or it is. It is. But there's nothing to do about it. Over la, la distancia. Yeah. Like, 
Um, so I know that we're here to talk about the horror, but because I mentioned the dangly thing in the back of my throat, can we please mm-hmm. talk about the cultural phenomenon that is Megan the Stallion and Cardi B um, doing WAP, <laughs> also is- known as wet ass pussy? <laughs> is this a? I've not heard of this wet ass pussy of which you speak. Yeah, it's like re- like just thrown out there. Like I have no I have no comment. You know, I mean, I love. I I think it's fucking awesome. You know, like women. Hey, talk about how awesome sex is. You know, I, it's so strange to me that some of the the um, backlash on it from people when like so much so much of music is a, is very explicitly sexual, uh, but also obviously like from men who are talking like trash about these women and like oh, you know man. and it's like. This feels so normal. Like having spent my life around women and around, you know, like in, in a lot of female company, just as, you know, I just didn't have a lot of male friends. I'm like, this is very, like, I don't know. It felt <laughs> like normal to me. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised. Yeah. It's just like all this weird, like, oh, women are getting so sexual now. I'm like, okay. Um, we already been, I mean, we, we, it's we, so like, strange. I am one of them. We already been also like the thing about like WAP, the thing about this song is that the music video was done in the time of the Rona over a hundred thousand dollars was spent just on testing alone. And if you really look at it, like, you know, I'm giving you all permission to go and look at the WAP music video. Um, Look at that wet ass pussy right now. Yes. Right now. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually told Joshua, I was like, next time you give the cats a bath, can you please take a video of it so that way I can post it on our Instagram and put wet ass pussy in the background? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be that overshadowed with Rah! you know. That's perfect. I mean, there's some hoes in this house, guys. There's some hoes. There is some hoes in this house. Um, sure. well, Joe, apparently, you up, what are your thoughts? Why, like, obviously, you know, you you brought it up so you could say something about it. I just, well, I mainly wanted, because I haven't had a chance to talk about it with TJ yet, and okay. if this if this perfect. time was this is different... This perfect context for it. Let's, on a queer horror podcast, yeah. think of wet-ass pussy. I mean, frankly. I mean, well, okay, right so, you know, we are among queers, so, and and whoever is watching this, I, I, I'm forgetting that this is live and not, like, a regular podcast episode. Um, I know. So, thank you for watching this. Whoever's yeah. still with us, thank you so much for being here. Um, my thing is, so my thing about it is that, like, is there a homosexual version? Can there be a gay male version of WAP? Is it, is it WAB? Is it TAB? (laughs) Because, Uh like, I, I was talking to a dear friend of mine, uh, you know, TJ, our dear friend, Mark, and I was like, it doesn't seem correct or enjoyable if it was WAB. No. Like, anatomically, no. it does not seem correct. Well, um, what are you say- What's WAB? What uh, you- so, <laughs> I will let I mean, you do I that. guess, but I want him to say it. As a, as a black, take your second drink. Um, <laughs> that stands for wet-ass bussy. <laughs> it's, the, it's the portmanteau. There, see where oh, it goes. Yeah, so, right so school, portmanteau. Yes. Dear children, bussy amongst the homosexuals, Gen Zers, and Tide Pod aficionados of our generation is generally a slang for when you want to talk about your rear vagine, right? (laughs) It's a combination of booty and pussy, right? Right. Um, I I wanted this to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You willed this into into I I willed this into existence. I'm sorry, Joshua. Um, No, it's okay because you bring a good point up. Go ahead. 
No, but, but that's the thing is that like, is there a, can there be like a queer male context of it? Is it because like there are like men who queer men who do, you know, who could purport to possess WAP, but could there be anatomically, is there something for queer men who do not possess do not WAP, possess. Yeah. but like, you know, have want to do. And I was like, it, it doesn't seem correct or enjoyable, at least in my experience, a limited experience. I'm really trying with this, but like, no, I've so, been thinking a lot about it. So I'm like, yeah. is it like wet ass B or will it be like tab? And it would be a tight, you know what I mean? Like, because oh. you know what I mean? It's so enjoyable. Yeah. Um. Well, I, my, my response to that would be right. Like, well, first off, kudos to both the trans and non-binary inclusive discussion about WAP. Right. Yes, exactly. This is a WAP, so God bless. Right. But also, I think there's not an, there's, there's two levels. <laughs> like, I'm, this is how you know I'm a professor. Well, guys, WAP functions <laughs> two levels. So, um, but what, by this I mean, right, like, um, there's obviously what we're talking about, about WAP. We're talking about, yeah, the, the physical idea of, like, being sexually aroused and being like, yeah, I want you to hit it. I want you there. Right. But then I think also part of what all of the backlash and discussion is, is about, WAP by saying, like, I got this, what I see, is very specifically a type of claiming and ownership of a sexuality yeah. that I think is perhaps not equivalent for us, right? Like, so, um, but I do think, like, mechanically, right? Like, there would be sort of, like, questions about saying I'm ready. Yeah, you could talk about it. You could talk about a tab. You could talk mm-hmm. about a WAB. You also might want to talk about, like, letting know that someone, that it's, that it's, that it's a dab because that means that it has been douched or that it is somewhere ready, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Some sort of, some sort of work has gone to prepare uh, a la bousse, right? Like, so we got an amuse, an amuse bousse. <laughs> and I will. Write that down for yeah. a song. And so. A oh, yeah, write that down. Um. <laughs> So now I did have this conversation uh, recently about um, like, okay, so kind of bringing it into kind of a horror spectrum. So Rob Zombie's music, right? So he's very horror related, very rock and roll, heavy metal, that whole community, you know, like horror is filled with like misogyny and sexism and stuff that objectifies women. And and so he has a song on his um, Rob Zombie horror picture show live that, that opens the show and it's teenage Nosferatu pussy. And I was like, you know, could, like, could a queer, like, could that exist? Could you have, like, a queer rocker functioning in that Rob Zombie way, writing that, like, you know, teenage werewolf bussy or something? Like, could that, is there even a space and culture? Like, do we, do we as queers operate in that same way? You know, because I was trying to think about like Troy Sivan or whatever has that song Bloom about bottoming, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like about his garden. And, you know, it's very like, you know, careful. <laughs> um, you know, Sorry. I think I know I'm just saying, but I think about the ways that like we write about queer sex and music is kind of different in a way like where I, I don't think it functions where you could be that explicit, like that you have, I think, in certain forms of music, uh, especially male, heterosexual, male dominated, where they could talk about titties and ass and pussy and whatever. <laughs> they, this is an X rated podcast today. You know, they could talk very explicitly about it. But men like I, I don't know as queers if that would be like successful. Like, I don't know if that if we could market it the same way you know because I, I was just trying to think like I, like as somebody who writes songs like I've tried to write about things in sort of you know like a poetic way and it always just sounds goofy so I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play this song live you know this is weird mm-hmm. you know but then you read like uh who is it the, the guy from uh see your rose uh Jonesy 
Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Who just had that cannibal song come out? And it's like I'm gonna munch your carpet, or, or I'm car- mar- munching your carpet. I'm like, okay, so we just don't even need metaphor. Like we just We're just <laughs> just throw it out. Like I'm eating you, you, baby. You know what I mean by it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and again, I think there's sort of interesting the question about sort of like what levels of like sexual expression there are, and what are the expectations, right? So there is something like there's something purposely shocking disruptive and powerful about both cardi b and megan the stallions like oeuvre before this right there this event about like i mean and there's a long line right i mean we can go back to little kim we can go back to salt and pepper we can go back all the way to like i don't know like ma rainey and bessie smith and like black yes i was gonna bring up that yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, they're like it's a whole line of being like i love this and i want it right but there's also a level of them not being able to like express that pleasure in the same way it's interesting because right like in in queer, largely cis male culture, right? There's the sense of people talk about this in some sort of, um, not unlike that binary between tops and bottoms, right? Like, I mean, like tops can, can still express a lot of this, right? About like, about, you know, dick related conquests and being able to do these sorts of things. And I think that that is not entirely changed, but like the idea of receiving that type of, of, of pleasure and saying like, we're so used to the idea that someone penetrating someone with a dick is sort of seen as like the ultimate and sort of like sexual aggression and the appropriateness. So like to have it then returned and say like, yeah, that's right. I want that. And then aggressively like saying like, yeah, this is an aggressive claiming my sexuality, like an aggressive bottom song would be delightful. Right. And it would perhaps not be, it'd be different than like, will I am's like that girl is a bottom, right. The right. the reimagining of this girl is on fire by Alicia. Mm-hmm. Keys, right. Or that boy's a bottom. Right. But like, but I, it is interesting because be, you have to think, how do you mechanically think about, yeah, and and, and to that's Joshua's why I didn't think point. about drag. Drag actually is a very good point. Sorry, like that's true, but still, it functions in, in a humorous way rather than like a serious, like oh, this is hot. Like I'm a rock star. All the guys yeah. are in the front mooning me now. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, and, and to Joshua's point about like again, we're talking about like mainstream marketability. And I mean, like you have fucking Caswell, uh, Big oh, Dipper, Caswell. you yeah. know, like you have, you do have like within at least, uh, within the least like the queer, like ca- canon of like artists who are doing music that's about that. But at the same time, like they're also, they're also because they are like a 100% unabashedly and authentically this particular, like very explicitly queer persona. And then you have like, you know, a Troy Savan who it's like is already was like in the mainstream hemisphere, starting with YouTube and going on to all of that stuff. And so, you know, I, I mean like, is Bloom a bop? No, I think dance to this on the album is better um, where he's like in, well, I mean, just because in the music video, he's like wearing mom jeans with Ariana Grande. Um, but no, none of this is wrong. It's it's who Sean Mendes wishes he could be. Was that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. That was mean. But that's what that's that's what we're here for, um, Joshua. That I give it back amazing. to you. <laughs> uh, that was quite a you know. But we are talking about you know uh, powerful black women today in in context oh of the night, and you know, so we'll get to that. So this it was appropriate. Uh, you know, so that's all right. Um, I did want to just uh, see what people are watching. Did we watch Lovecraft Country? Anybody? I did. did I- yeah. Did you guys watch it? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, absolutely. So I will freely admit that I stopped watching it halfway to make sure that I watched Demon Night. Right? Oh, I- <laughs> so I was in the middle of watching it this morning. 
Yeah. Ah, yes. I own the book too. So like, um, yeah. And as someone who lived in a former sundown town, right. Like as a, as <laughs> take a drink as a professional black historian, is a blick. is a blick. is a blick. Uh, in rural Illinois, I'm well aware of these phenomena. And then, who got my PhD in rural Illinois, and then living and working in rural Virginia for four years. So I'm like, this phenomena of, the, of that sort of space feels very real. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to finish watching it tonight because I felt like everybody, it was like the first week when Watchmen came out and everybody called or texted me and they were like, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna get They on. wanted your commentary. I waited for you were on the show because I knew you were like, coming oh, on. Oh, the <laughs> genre of the show. I love it so far. I think it's great. Um, and I think it, there's something wonderful about sort of these types of juxtapositions, right? About like sort of we're primed in a certain way, especially in 2020, to be aware and to think of sort of people outside of us just thinking about black lives and black experiences. And now there's a receptivity, right? Like I think that like in a way that like get out made people aware in some ways of taking that space. Or if you watched Twilight Zone, the new one, the Jordan Peele right. Twilight Zone, the one about the, the reverse camera, like, so thinking about um, sort of black lives and horror, right? And we've talked about this before, right? That like for horror noir, right? Like black, black life in America is already a horror story, right? So like in some right. people, yeah, black yeah. bodies are ready. Black for history like, is black horror. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, we're like, we just call that Wednesday. Oh no. Did the youth get cut down for no reason? Oh, <laughs> Ugh. Right, so yeah, those, those are. But I, I love it so far. Also, fuck H.P. Lovecraft. That guy's an ass. Well, and you know, that's exactly the thing. I think it's kind of fascinating. I think we're getting we're getting this opportunity to reexamine H.P. Lovecraft's. Um, okay. Uh, importance because, you know, I think it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I love H.P. Lovecraft. I don't know how many people have actually read H.P. Lovecraft because it's kind of dense. It's difficult to read. Um, I I mean, I think, and I read a lot and I, you know, can like get through Shakespeare pretty easily. I love that. You know, I I don't mind like archaic quote unquote, you know, type of language, but it is, it can be dense to, to work through. So it's like, I always wonder how much people actually love Lovecraft or they love Lovecraftian horror and what he inspired and Hey, and that's, you know, that has its place. Absolutely. So I think a lot of people don't realize exactly how anti-Semitic and how racist, like, I mean, how very plain, I mean, they mentioned the very first episode, you know, one of his, um, papers (laughs) papers <laughs> about uh his thoughts on uh <laughs> on people of color uh of black oh, yeah. people. uh you oh, know and so it's like i'm wondering how much this is going to you know inform people you know and uh so yeah i'm very curious to see how we uh how the conversation changes around hp lovecraft so and maybe there are i mean i don't i'm not trying to you know say anything against anybody who has read i mean or whatnot you know and is very much informed but i feel like a lot of people are not yeah. so I mean, I was surprised. I didn't know, you know. I mean, it wasn't until I was, like, older, right? Like, I was like, there we go, fine, right, blah, 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 blah. But, like, it was, like, when I was, like, in my late 20s, I was like, oh, he treats people right. But also what's super fascinating is that, and I think this is very telling, especially for us right now, that in the last years of his life, like, Lovecraft dies in 37, right? Um, And so he does, like, right before like uh oh nazis uh like but like i mean they're they're coming to power but like are they in power oh yeah he loved hitler <laughs> oh, he did, like, yeah. what's so wild about lovecraft is that lovecraft it, by the end of his life politically also was much more enamored with socialism so he was like he's like one of his critiques was like that the new deal was not sufficiently leftist enough to save society and i was like and i think there's something really important out of that to think about how it's actually not impossible for 
for progressivism and sustained like racism and white supremacy to exist. Right. And I think that sometimes there's something really telling that like um, you could have like this, this arch thinker who's also like the most prototypical mayonnaise, racist, big chinned motherfucker who also at the same time is like, but we need to prepare for people and provide for them. And then I'm like, but which people HP, which people? Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. So, but I do think white I, people, TJ. White. You're, you're right. I'm white. sorry, HP Lovecraft. You know what white. the difference is? I am alive and you're not. So, yes. right. Yeah. And if I live Locker. for another 10 years, Rhoda, um, then I will have outlived you, HP Lovecraft. So, there. I'm going to live another 10 years just for that. Just outlived. Boom. Out of spite. Yes. Live out of spite as Maria Bamford. Life, life out of spite. Yeah. Do you think that um, Lovecraft is like, spinning in his racist grave like seeing like seeing all of this happening well so my my interesting my comment about this is that i i i love the i love the first episode i thought it was really great and um (laughs) i've had a a brief thought where i was like oh i wonder if anyone else is gonna think like this i'm like oh wow it's nice that hbo decided to produce this show in like you know they took all of june to do it because it seems it's just so timely right it just seems so perfect for this particular um for this year for it to come out when it did and in fact if you go to the uh lovecraft country instagram page like the first post on their instagram page is like a statement about black lives and i was like this is very like it, it it's so coincidental but just so important that it's happening right now Yes. Two, I, I wonder if this was like in an alternate timeline, you know, non-corona, you know, no, uh, no June justice, or even in the time of corona, no June justice and all of that, if there would be this much success that I believe that they're experiencing, you know, right. I mean, I think queer, I think queer people would love it. I think that uh, anyone who's a sci-fi horror fans are going to absorb it, but I don't know if it's going to be like the notes of like the racism <laughs> or would be yeah. just like hitting you over the head with it. And I just wonder, it, and then the other thing, and I'm, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because I, I've, there's a, a playwright, a local playwright in uh, San Diego, um, uh, Christian St. Croix, who, you know, it's like when you are, when he's a local playwright and it's like when you're thinking about, um, like when theaters are thinking about producing black work or anyone's thinking about, you know, in giving, finally empowering black voices specifically, you also have to like, ask yourself what it is that you want from them, right? So like, or if you're telling black stories, but it's like, okay, but who's the director? And then who's the playwright? Like I, this is how I found out that American Son uh, was written by a white man. So yeah. Lovecraft country i was actually really surprised that the author of both your country is white and i and for me it's like okay this doesn't take anything away from my enjoyment of the show because i've already heard that the show is so is already so tonally different so very different from the novel itself but i wonder and you know i throw this back to our two readers uh, in the in the show right now i wonder you know how does that inform does that complicate your enjoyment of the novel, knowing that the author is not black. That's a really good question. (laughs) I think about, interestingly enough, like when I think about the show, because the author is white and I believe the director is also white, but like the the writer's room is not right. And Mm -hmm. so thinking about how that plays out. But I mean, it's like, 
we live in a world where like white people write whatever the fuck they want. Um, and they, it doesn't mean that white people can't write about complicated interstitials of racism. I think they can. Um, but it is interesting cause it's like, um, it does make one think about like, how is that, how does that shape the writing of the book itself and the way in which like, these are not the same sort of experiences, but I'm not of the, the, you know, like, I'm not like, well, we go cancel this book, but like, I'm like, Oh, it does. It does shape it in interesting ways for me to think about, Oh, it's the book specifically about this type of horror, right? Yeah. Because it's not purporting to be like a, like, this is the, you know, it's not trying to Rachel Dole's all this shit, right? Like, no, it's not. No, it's like, as a blank, right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, and that's where, and that's why I'm just like, I, I think it's important to know, and I think it's important to, like, again, like, I, as someone who, you know, as someone who's like also a writer of creative work, it's like, I don't, sometimes it's, sometimes it's easier to kind of dive into another's experiences and empathy and all of, you know, blah, 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 all of that stuff. But at the same time, it's like, I'm also realizing that what I'm challenging myself in my work lately is like, how do I write from my perspective? Because if the only, if the only way we can get my story told is for me to tell my story and not wait for someone else to tell it or not find it in like, you know, a Nancy Myers, Nora Efron type of situation. <laughs> you're welcome um what because i which have which i've been doing for so long like i've done like you know i'm like oh my god my my like you know complicated person uh poc queer queer uh queer love story from a you know person of color perspective is like wrapped up in this like very white rom-com but you know there's a way for me to do that Mm -hmm. um and we're talking about this actually with our guest that's coming up in a future in a future yeah. episode about like the idea of like how personal specific point of view your story like is and then finding out that it's actually quite universal so yes yeah no that helps right it does help in a lot of ways yeah 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 um, uh, well that's, that's I, you know oh, go ahead i say my last thought about about lovecraft right in general is that i i love reading hp lovecraft right hp lovecraft is fucking wild and so horrible and i think one way that white people you know i'm just going to assume to speak for all of you right now this is my apology face please hold on hold on do that again this is my apology face <laughs> Very but i do think right that what one thing that white people do to deal with the fact that like Lovecraft is a, is a massive unreconstructed racist who is integral to his worldview is the idea that black people are subhuman. <laughs> Still alive. You're not. But um, one thing that I think is important is that I think the way people deal with this is that they shy away from it. They contextualize it or they try to explain it. They're like, well, we have to focus on the work. And, and I'm like, part of what makes Lovecraftian horror the horror that it is, is because it is deeply fucking racist. Like what actually, I enjoy the horror. I enjoy the sort of like the complexity and the way in which the mind vibrates in this sort of terrifying, disturbing way. But it's also literally getting a free passage into the mind of a bigot and to understand how he understands the world and to see the horrors that jar him and the way that he paints the world around him. And it is impossible to sort of separate Lovecraftian horror from the deep racial anxieties that underpin it. And I, so I'm not interested in doing that. I don't want to rehabilitate him. I'm like, Oh, he's super fucking racist. And that's part of the work. Right. Like, and as one of those, you know, half human figures that reads it, it's <laughs> my right. So that's what I do. Yeah. 
speak on it. <laughs> Woo! Yes, yes. <laughs> and that is, yeah, exactly. That is fucking a great point of view and a great point uh, to make about that, you know, and understanding, you know, that people, like, where where's the horror coming from? Where is the, you know, what what is their... What's the angle? Why are they writing about this? Yeah. You know, and it, it informs the work. So, uh, well, wow. That, I mean, that was, that was all over for the first uh, <laughs> half of this show. Um, so we are here today to talk about a film. Uh, 1995's uh, Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. All of that. Uh, I have it here in a in a lovely double uh, disc. It's like Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood, which we'll have to watch next, Joe. Uh, since I know you, you know, you want to see vampires and titties. <laughs> I saw a lot of titty in, in this, uh, true, this particular one. So as, as, before we dive in as a way of introduction, I want to read this little, uh, blurb. This is from blackhorrormovies.com, uh, from username. What was the username? Where did they go? I think it's Blackula. I think is what they had as their username. Oh no. It vanished. Ah! Well, hopefully I'll be able to find it here in a little bit. Anyways, I want to read this as a way of intro because it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's lovely. Okay, here Ready? we go. Um, one of the better horror movies of the 90s. Uh, Demon Knight is helmed by a black director and features a black hero and a woman at that. And yet it takes place in neither the ghetto nor voodoo infested Louisiana, the Caribbean or Africa. But, you ask, where else could black people encounter something truly horrific? A Kevin Federline concert? Well, yeah. <laughs> but in 1995, he was only 17, probably finishing the fifth grade, and had only one baby mama. No, the horrors of Demon Knight cannot be blamed on Mr. Spears. Rather, they take place in the refreshingly race-free setting of an old hotel in the southwestern U.S. Reminiscent of Light Night of the Living Dead, the action revolves around a group of bickering humans trying to survive the night holed up in a building surrounded by nipple-pierced demons. William, they have Sanderson here, but obviously I think they uh, meant Sadler. William Sadler plays Breaker, an ageless demon knight who's at the end of his 80-year shift protecting an ancient artifact and must pass the mantle on to juvenile delinquent. Geraldine, Geraldine, Geraldine. They, it they all of them. pronounces it differently in this movie, which I either, love. <laughs> either way, it's Jada Pinkett. Uh, the plot is secondary to Black Horror Hall of Famer Ernest Dickerson's kinetic direction and the ensemble cast featuring veteran character actors like CCH Pounder, I love her in this, Charles, Roger Rabbit Fleischer, Dick Miller, and Thomas Hayden Church, who really sell the rather ludicrous story about Jesus' blood and all-powerful demon keys. It's Billy Zane, however, who steals the show as the leader of the Hellspawn. He injects the sort of wry humor that characterized the Tales from the Crypt TV show, and in the process, crafts one of the most charismatic villains in modern horror history. Even without Zane, though, I would have loved to have seen a sequel to Demon Knight, Jada the Demon Slayer. So, 1995's Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. Joe, what did you think? Well, I thought it was a very, very fun and good time. Um, I, I really liked the, I like the campy elements of it. I think that now I can, like, I feel good about, like, going back and revisiting the show, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Mm -hmm. Um, just because, like, I, I've, I do adore an anthology and I, for, I've, I now understand, like, where all of the terrible puns that Joshua has been, like, 
pelting at me for the last five years are from. And they're all from, like, the Crypt Keeper. Like, no, and- some of them are Elvira. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think like, and it was a, it was really, it was really good. And if you, you know, that, that was a really great intro as well, uh, Joshua, because I feel like, yeah, this did not take place in like the ghetto. It was not in the hood. It was not all of these things. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Like, this is something that you could watch with people. Like you could watch with like a group of friends, um, you know, maybe all together, maybe not, who knows. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Thumbs up. Yeah, I read the intro because I, I mean, I thought it was fun. I do have, I mean, some of it's quite voodoo infested, I think is very, like, that's problematic. Uh, there's definitely some things in here that I'm like, but I thought it was funny. And I'm like, that's a nice way to put the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's just dive in. I'm a huge fan of Tales from the Crypt. Got like, you know, the whole thing on, uh, you know. VHS. I also have or on uh, DVD. I also have this awesome Tales from the Crypt Bible. I love this book, filled with lots of fun facts and things. And also, just to plug our friends, Horror Etsy Shop, Horror Finds, our friend Kyle, who directed Survival of the Film Freaks. I recently got the the novelization of Tales of Demon Knight. <laughs> so I'm a fan. TJ, to you, what were your thoughts? Oh my god! Um, had you seen this before? First, I had not. I had, of course, watched almost all the Tales of the Crypt the show as a kid, and I have seen Bordello of Blood, but I had not seen Demon Knight. Oh wow! Very funny, cool. Very funny for me also to recognize that if you want to see continuity, Joe, the key from this movie does appear in Bordello of Blood. Yeah, it's very. Oh. To me. I was like, Woo! yeah. So the <laughs> is it is like, which is not like a big deal, Bordello, but it's there. Um, no, I thought this movie was like wildly nineties. Right? There's just yes. like the feel of it. Also, can we have a minute for what a fucking moment in his career Billy Zane was having in 1995, 96, 97? It was the Phantom. It was Titanic. It goes on as late as like Zoolander, which is already making fun of the fact that his career sort of peaked like four years later. But it's like late 90s Billy Zane was everywhere and late 90s Billy Zane could get it. Um, yes. Woof. I loved. I love this movie. I. I mean, it's it's terrible. It is not yet. Yeah, God bless. Right. It is, it is. It is a. I would say it is not a good film by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. It is enjoyable. <laughs> it is a deeply enjoyable film. Right. Yeah. Like I loved every bit of it, especially the moment where yeah, yes, a moment for this. Um. I feel like Sarah McLaughlin's "I Will Remember You" is playing in the background. Right. <laughs> this is not an in memoriam. It was just like a moment, you know. <laughs> His career, yeah. It, well, yeah. that may not be alive. I'm sorry, Billy. Billy Zane got some macaroni in my pot. Let me tell I you. Mean, like, I mean, I'm gonna need a bucket and or mop if Billy. Um, Park that Big Mac truck, Billy Zane. <laughs> right in my little garage. So no, I love, I loved, I loved it in general. I like that that it it does make a relatively, you know, still unknown young black woman, the star, mm-hmm. right. And the, the sort of large scale hero. Um, I do need to say one nerdy thing about this that I got very excited about when I watched it. So you guys may not be dorky historians, but if, I don't know if you noticed that, um, that breaker is very, we'll never forget the day in which he was turned and became the, um, became the protector of the key. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but he says what day it is. It's August 23rd, 1917. So it's today. Like, ah. it's exactly today. Like, it was... 
was like watching the film and I was like, <laughs> well, that's well timed. Like he was like, I'll never forget August 23rd, 1917. And I like was like, that's, wow. that is great timing. I did, I, had, I did not notice that. You know, it's one of those movies where I've seen it a million times, and I love that whole sequence. I love I love the exposition where it's like, okay, everybody sit down. We're going to tell you what's going on, you know? But I did not I did not pay attention to the, yeah. the date. It always kind of yeah. goes yeah, in. Well, it's rarely on August 23rd that you're watching or discussing it. So, like, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, TJ, you are you are a doctor of time. So you yeah. are. <laughs> my job. This is... But I travel through time. It's yes. Just... I'm going to go back in time and beat up H.P. Lovecraft, just so you know. Oh, cool. Can we come? I just want to watch. I'm going to Instagram live it. First off, can we come? I just want to watch is not the first time a man's told that to me. But yes, you can. (laughs) Right in the face. It's Um, So are you basically going to do the, like, Chappelle show, player haters ball, go back in time, and, like, like, go and, like, basically take a Glock to H.P. Lovecraft? Is that what we're talking about? I mean, you... Guys, in the real timeline, he lived for another 40 years. He got cancer in 1937. Ah. You're welcome. His neck is going to be more racist. So, yeah, I would also 100% use a time machine for those types of things. So, <laughs> you know, to 1995 and stop this movie at all, because I'd be like, yeah, let this happen. Everything about this is great. Even the, like, the, when, one of the things I like about this movie is that when it, when it leans in, it leans in real hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do we want a sexy dream sequence for Uncle Willie? Sure. Let's just, everybody's got titties out. Billy Zane's got a cigar. Like, everything is like, let's just let's just lean in real hard. Uh, do we want uh, CCH, uh, as, uh, as, the, as the sort of owner of the hotel, do we want her to um, have an injury? Sure. Let's have her whole arm get ripped the fuck off. Sure. I love it. I like... This movie is not subtle, and I love it. I love every bit of it. I love that, like, the cigarillo or whatever she's smoking the whole time, and not even it just hanging there. It's just out. (laughs) But it keeps getting shorter. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's talent. You got to talk with that, always. She is totally understandable the entire time. Yeah. She's CCH Pounder, you know, she's, you know, she can do, she can do what she can. She um, all the way from Guyana to fix this mess. It's true. I love her. I, so, like, when you're talking, so, like, to your point, TJ, like, my, like, favorite of, like, when it's leaning in hard, it's leaning in, where, like, all of a sudden in the flashback, it's like, bam, nail in a palm. And I'm like, <laughs> nail, is like, bam, nail, crucifixion. And then I'm like, you know, Joseph of Arimathea there is like, you know, catching the blood in the key. And then, you know, death uh, or, or something, you know, the ghost of Christmas future is all like, what's going on here? Um, but I was like, dang, they like, I'm like, damn, they showed a crucifixion. I don't know if I've ever seen a crucifixion in a movie that wasn't made by Mel, uh, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. <laughs> I love that whole sequence, you know, and that what's the, it's, it's Sirac or whatever. I love yeah, that. Like, right. I, yeah. The next cat I get, I'm going to name Sirac. Uh, real sure. quick, um, Marissa, <laughs> one of our friends from the Jersey Ghouls. Hello. I, you know, we have to like say hello. Hello. Um, I am not willing to do this job because I'm not yet convinced we are worth saving. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want demon talons in my neck. You know, so some, somebody's got to convince me to save us. <laughs> okay, but like, but but that all aside, like, of the three of us, which one do you think would be the most effective demon knight? <laughs> I mean, I know the answer. It's TJ. Like, I, I'm not, like, I... 
<laughs> Hello. Uh, Joe's been back. watching too much horror. He's like, let the black guy do it. Yeah. No, 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 no. First of all, no, no, no. Don't put that on me. No. I'm just being a fan and watch. Do it. First of all, don't put that on me. Second of all, it's first rule of zombie land is cardio. You know this. Like the minute a zombie apocalypse happening, I'm just gonna lie there and let it happen because there's no way I'm outrunning anything. Yeah. And see, and and here we go. Marissa agrees with me. Teachers recognize teachers, okay? Thank you, Marissa. Thank you. That is a, a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> she is she is Latina. She is also Latina. Oh, right. <laughs> she can multitude. She can multitude. Her her most her most like prevalent identity is perhaps that she is from Jersey. Okay. She's from North right. Jersey. She <laughs> the city is New York City. Pizza, you know, all of that should stuff. Be foldable. Yeah, Marissa, three things. One, HP Lovecraft would have hated you because you're a woman. Because you are <laughs> Right. Uh, Latinx, and you are from Jersey, and his Rhode Island ass couldn't handle that. And I love you. You're you're killing it. No, I um I think that I would be like I'd be ideal as the as the as this this demon fighter because I this demon knight because I would just be like I would be so over it from the jump, right? I'd just be like, man, I get to live forever, but I gotta fight Billy Zane all of the time by taking buses. This seems shitty, right? Like. I'd be- <laughs> Yeah, I'd be so over it. You guys would find out and be like stunned, and I'd just be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." Who wants my big blood key? Because right. I got it. Ready. it for one. Giving it out, giving it away. <laughs> just handing it out. If my if I'm hanging out with the two of you and and four or five others, and that my hand tattoo starts shifting, I'm gonna be so fucking pissed. I'm gonna be so mad. <laughs> it's it's fate. So hey, we gotta get it. Gotta get this rolling. Yes. <sighs> oh, this movie! So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's quite it's quite something. Uh, I remember seeing it. So I yeah, I grew up. I you know um, we sometimes we would have HBO uh, because my brothers and sisters' dad would uh, steal it. <laughs> he was like a like he could do electrician crap. So he'd go out to the pole, the boxes, you know, when it was like when cable was done that way, and just rewire it uh, to the house. So occasionally we would have HBO. And I would watch it there, but mostly I watched it. I think Fox showed it at like 11, 11.30 or midnight, something like that on the weekends, like Saturday night uh, for a time. And that's how I saw a lot of uh, Tales from the Crypt. So this, like, yeah, when, yeah, when they announced that they were doing a movie, it was like, oh, I cannot wait, you know. And so we got, I, I definitely didn't see it in the theater. Uh, we definitely rented it once it came out. But I just, yeah, I... I enjoy because it has all that sort of nostalgia for me of like the nineties. It's another one of those things that I remember watching a lot as a kid, watching with friends, watching with the family. Um, I love that the demons kind of have like a feline kind of look, you know, they look like my little babies, uh, (laughs) sleepwalkers, you know, Um, they're the wet ass pussy. That's what they're. (laughs) As an adult, I also appreciated watching it because it's very Hitchcockian in a way. Like, I love a single, like, just give me one place where everybody's at with something attacking them, you know, t- one one by one, taking them down. You know, I, I like that a lot. Uh, the music is great. That opening song, um, Hey Man, Nice Shot, is delicious. I cannot remember who. Oh, uh, starts, I think, with an F. That song is about a guy who um, shot himself on like live on on a broadcast. He bud something. Uh, here's some trivia for you. <laughs> I didn't know any of he this. was um, 
you know, somebody right now is like screaming at us, like in the comments, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, that's uh, my favorite when you know it and no one else does. And you're yelling at a podcast and that's right. The to being a ghost will ever understand. Right. Filter. Right. Their name is filter. Hey man, yeah. nice shot. And it's about oh. the, yeah, the suicide of um, what's his name? Bud, Bud Dwyer. He was a Pennsylvania state treasurer who had got caught. He was convicted on bribery charges and he shot himself live during a press conference uh, just pulled out a gun, shot himself. Uh, and so they wrote that song about him. But it's like, it's been used in a lot of like horror, like those kinds of movies. And every time I, I just, I really, really love that song. Uh, so I love it as the opening credits for this. Um, try and think. There, I mean, there's just a lot. I, I, I really enjoy this movie. <laughs> I could just kind of wax on it. <laughs> Guys, remember, remember Thomas Hayden Church? <laughs> Girl, that wig is doing no one favor. Also, I love that Thomas Hayden Church is, he like looks like every dude who's like 30 trying to imagine that he's like 21. And I'm like, it's not working, baby. Like, he's, they're trying to have him be younger than he is, right? Because I think of it at that point, I mean, like, he's already like when like the show, when like Wings and like Dennis Easter, he's already in his 30s, right? So I bet you he's like at this time, I don't know how old he was then, but he's probably like 30, 35. And they're trying to make him look like he's like 19. And I'm like, that wig is not working. <laughs> No, no, none of it. Have you ever plugged like a generator up to your nipples? Like that's (laughs) that's such a that is such a mood. That whole sequence. I don't admit these types of things on Facebook Live. Right, Uh, that's a good point. You can subscribe to my OnlyFans and maybe figure it out. Right, you can drop in on the Patreon. Yeah, (laughs) just let me know, and if you want to up the voltage, you can. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was like, this is some very interesting Eastim play, but you know, and it, I was just like, okay, that's strange. And like, did that, was that necessary? No. But again, like there's a lot of us very unnecessary things that are happening here that, um, I, I love because it's just, again, like I love, I'm down for anything, you know, anything can't be, um, as here, Jessica, as Jessica says, my nipples are smoking. <laughs> my nipples are smoking. Oh. Yes. God bless. He does say that at one point, does he not? Oh, yeah. oh man. And then, like, shortly after that, when the deputy or whatever comes back and he's all with a tune-up and a lube job, and I'm like, okay. oh. That was, that was excruciating to say. Also, I was like, that that um, that deputy is famous, too. He's, um, what's his face? Um, oh, uh, I'm so mad that I can't think of this off the top of my head. Um, but the deputy that, that he's a famous... Um, First Nations Canadian actor, um, the guy that played him, because he's like in Smoke Signals. I'm gonna oh yeah, Gary Farmer. Yeah, yes, because he was like in he's like in all of these sort of like in like he was the TV show The Res and like a bunch of like and Native American films. So it was so funny for me because my brain was trying to reel from the fact like at the beginning of the movie that I'm like, that's Thomas Hayden Church in a wig, and that (laughs) is like the the old dude from Smoke Signals. And I don't understand what is happening right now. And there is Jada Pinkett. Also, is that CCH Pounder? Like, that was literally yes. like my first five minutes. I was just like... <laughs> and then Billy, the camera just... loves Billy Zane. Billy Zane was clearly fucking a cameraman because they just, like, zoom right in on those lips, right. like, half the time. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Fine. You're like, here's the key, baby. Here it is. I said, Fine. I will, I will happily pull a Thomas Hayden Church... Or if I was just being seduced unnecessarily, like uh, Jada Pinkett was by him, I'm like, that's fine too. 
Okay, so so thank you, teacher, for bringing that up, right? So, like, yeah. here we have, like, you know, the white devil, literally, seducing, uh-huh. a, seducing a black woman, letting him uh-huh. to let her, uh, let him possess her, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is very, like, someone knew what they were doing <laughs> when they casted this. Well, yeah, but meanwhile, the other white guy's like, hey, black lady, now it's your job to save the whole world. <laughs> yeah, It's yeah. on you. Here's some work. More work for you. Like CCH mentioned earlier in the film, <laughs> yes, <laughs> there was more work to do. But sorry, go ahead. Well, I just I thought it was so so that whole like dream sequence, like where he's basically trying to seduce her. It was very like it was like the Freedom ninety music video <laughs> with like her. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what is this? I'm like, what kind of mu- who who did this? Flowy curtains, flowy yeah. curtains, and then like a picture of her, and a I was blown like, up picture of her face. very blown up like this. And I'm like, what? Why are we doing this? <laughs> and then there's like blood seeping through it and hands, and I was like, I'm here for this. I'm yeah. I'm just like, why? Why is this? I'm like, that is not what I would put in her mind. Um, and then, and, and then again, like to, to kind of go fast forward a little bit in the film when she comes out and she's all in blood, I'm like, she's in her bra and panties. Why is she like, what is this? Like, it's very like the eighties cut of like bikini cut of like underwear. And you know, when she washes, she apparently like when Ripley. she's yeah, dressed she, like Ripley in that very much Ripley. And, and oh, yeah. then when she gets washed, um, you know, when the blood is washed from her, it's like sparkling, dazzling white again. And I'm <laughs> well, that is because, and of course, because Billy Zane held her down and force washed her, right? Which right. I'm not going to lie. Did I turn to my Amazon Echo and say, "Alexa, play WAP" by Cardi B? I, <laughs> um, I was like, because then she comes out immediately, like power buffed and like completely clean. I was like, you're not getting blood out of a like a tank top like that, but okay. And uh, magic blood spit. Just to... (laughs) So once again, he carried her ass down those stairs, wrapped in a shower curtain, her head hitting every step, and she had the cognizance the entire time to keep that mouth full of blood. You know, the real MVP is Jada Pinkett. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you don't want to swallow, you don't swallow. Like, if you're dead set against it, you won't. Whatever whatever you have to do. Yeah, you do. That's how you fight demons. Is that? Yeah, that absolutely. it's like you begrudgingly take it and then spit it out later. So correct. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad that she avoided an entanglement with Billy Zane. That's true. <laughs> it was smart of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, I was trying to think like before because this is '95. I'm trying to think of other like final girls, quote unquote, because I it's I, I feel like she serves a little bit of a different purpose because she's taking on like this. Yeah, you know, she's exactly. you know she is a hero, but then she's taking on this uh, job now to go off and and fight demons. But I was trying mm-hmm. to think before her, what other like black final girls did we have in the modern era? I mean, I'm sure we could look at you know black horror films, you know, from earlier. But I'm trying to think in like. The, you know, after that concept of, like, the final girl, like, is Jada one of the... She's got to be one of the first. Yeah. In those, like, type... In this type of film? I don't know. I should have looked... I looked Respond more. in the comments if you happen to know, if you can think of a... <laughs> if you can think of a, another film think, where like, we have Brandy a black final in, girl. Brandy was in one of the... Susan, I still know what you did last summer. Yeah, and she survives the whole film, but that's yeah, still that was later. I so mad if she was going to die. I was going to be like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I was trying to think, like, in that context, um, you know, if we had seen, you know, but again, I, it, it's something that, 13 like, Ghosts, Jackie, Jackie is right, 13 Ghosts, there is, well, she's not the final, but, like, it's a whole group of them that survive, but... That's true, but that's still later, isn't it? That's after. Mm-hmm. That's, like, 2000, so I'm just trying to think before this. Oh, so um, before 1995. Yeah, before Jada Pinkett showing up in this, if we had had, like, a black final girl, uh, quote-unquote... Because, again, I, I still think she's serving kind of a different function than just surviving, like, you know, it's not exactly the slasher trope. Um, I don't know. I just bring it up because, I, you know, again, it's not something I thought about when I first saw the movie. You know, I liked her. Because I, I saw this, again, after I had seen, like, Set It Off, even though that came out after, which, oh, my God, I love Set It Off. I, I don't say if you, right, exactly. Don't even disagree in the comments or you're dead. No, I mean, I'll find you. I will get in the time machine and bring the head of H.P. Lovecraft and find you. If you so I, I have never seen Set It Off. What? Oh. What? It's Hold so on. embarrassing. I'm Here, so now sorry. you're attacking me on MSNBC. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Joseph? How dare you? It's available to stream, I think, maybe on HBO Max or something. I just saw it, so because it's in my plan, I've got it on my watch list somewhere <laughs> to watch the game because I haven't seen it. It's been like uh, it's been like six months, I think. Since I, it's one of those movies. If it's on, I stop and watch it, no matter where oh, it. Also, I'm not gonna lie. One of my favorite things to do is to watch Set It Off and then follow it up with Girls Trip and like to imagine <laughs> that that. Literally, like that, the ending of Set It Off just changed dramatically, and, and I have done that thrice. Have I watched that? That's amazing, and I'm definitely going to do that the next time I watch. That's a great double feature. That's a, that's a great girls' night. That's a girls' night. It's such a great. So it's amazing. And then there's that one moment in Girls Trip where um, Jada Pinkett and Queen Latifah have those wigs and sunglasses on, and they look at each other. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it. I get that's a set it off. Reference. They're going to set it off. Um, yeah. I, I thought you were going to say, I uh, watched set it off. And then my favorite thing to do after is to set it off. And I was like, I mean, okay. We've like never robbed a bank while also being an, uh, an open lesbian. Come on now, get it together. We've all done this. <laughs> right. um, so, uh, so Connor did want us to mention, uh, did Kelly Rowland survive in Freddy versus Jason? No, she's, she's, uh, that again is after this, but she, she gets like hit and thrown into a tree, right? At, like right near the very end. She's one of the last deaths. What she a dilemma. Really far, fairly hey, first far. Off, did you just say what a dilemma? I'm not Yes. Mad. What a dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> not, not mad. I mean, Yeah. It's, well, I mean, I mean, again, this is also after, but I think Sanaa Lathan is in um, Alien vs. Predator, right? Yes, yes, she is. So, okay. Yeah. Well, no, I just we also any- have other final girls, you know, of, of of color, black women. You know, you know, I was just kind of curious, like when I think about horror films, like how often do you see, uh, you know, a heroic black woman come through? the whole film, you know, and not sacrifice herself because obviously CCH that you know she is like the sacrificial you know, black woman in this movie, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm not going to make it out of here. They already took my arm. I'm just going to blow myself up, you know, for the world. Maybe that's what she's mm-hmm. thinking. But again, you know, she's kind of in that sort of role within the film, you know, sacrificing herself for the others so that we may have hope against the demons, the hordes, uh, you know, so I was just trying to think of um, before that again, it's something I should have looked up. I should have been prepared. I'm not, I'm not prepared. <laughs> Professor, I'm so sorry. I mean, uh, no one's mad. No one's mad. I'm the only other thing where I think about black women that survive 
like it's a much later one, but um, and I don't know if you watched that when it was on VH1, that Scream Queen show, which I loved dearly, the Scream Queen's reality show. But uh, where the one one that won was Tanidra Howard, that black woman who then got the role on Saw Six, where she survives oh, yeah. at the end of Saw Six. Yeah, they're like you're a predatory banker. I remember watching Saw Six. And I'm like, well, they made her an evil banker, and they had her cut off her own arm in that movie, and she survived without with one arm. Comes back in <laughs> Saw 3D. Have I seen all the Saw movies? I contain multitudes. Yes, I have. I've seen all of the Saw movies. Uh, yeah, I love all the Saw movies. I'm going to force Joe to watch them all someday. Oh, uh, oh, I want to be there the first one because he's going to cry. Well, we, saw, we did the first one. We did the one. first one. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, in the first okay. season of Fright School, we did. We oh, did okay, the first. I must have missed that one. Yeah, yeah oh, but we so, haven't. We, have we, we did Saw 2, no? I no, we, like haven't we, done, we haven't done any any future episodes, any oh, future I think Saws. I just watched it on my own. Anymore, it's like, <laughs> I try, you know, it's like, did, did I watch this for Fright School or did I just watch it for fun? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, have also, Joe, have you watched The Bone Collector? I, well, I have watched The Bone Collector independently because I don't consider Bone Collector horror. I consider it like uh, thriller, like yeah. forensic thriller. Um, yeah, I think it's on par with like Silence, Silence of the Lambs. It's in that, I don't, yeah. I'm sorry, not on par with, like, I, I don't want to compare them, but I think it's in that same genre of film, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, it's it's horror. Can, play, I, you know. can I tell yeah. you a story about The Bone Collector? <laughs> This is I uh, I okay. I'm just gonna say it because it's. I'm just gonna say it anyway because it's. Um, it's it's you his guys, grinder so. screen name. No, <laughs> that's the bone crusher. I would run one hundred percent send you a D, send you a message if you were the bone collector. I'd be like, well, <laughs> it's like, well, come on, come on, get this macaroni in a pot, girl. Um. So with the Bone Collector, there's a scene in the Bone Collector where a young Angelina Jolie, you know, who has who shows the prowess for uh, forensic science. Um, I think she get it right. A prowess for bones. She sees a bone or some sort of clue on a track. She takes a dollar bill, puts it out there. And, you know, it's because the do- the length of a dollar bill is very much, like, known. It's very, it's, uh, it's very quantitative. Like, we can see, okay, based on this, we can see how big it is. Um, I may or may not have used that exact same line when I was flirting with men over the course of the last, uh, you know, my, the course of the last few years of my life. When you're, um, you're singledom. My singledom. And my singledom. Not now. Like... <laughs> No, now, but, now you are a respectable woman. But before- now I'm a respectable woman. Now, you know, no. I, I multiple. <laughs> no, but yes, I may have like used that same trick. But it's like, well, I have a dollar right here, and I could, you know, just. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. I know. I love it. I know. I was like, you would love it. You would love the it. Line, the line between like slasher, forensic thriller, and horror movie is often really thin, especially when people yeah. are being killed off in mass, and because there's often a, an obnoxious moral for one of right. them. Yeah. So I and don't the know. Bone collect- Go ahead. You know, I was going to say, I was like, I don't know if you guys think about this movie is if it's horror or fits in forensic thriller. I think it is a terrible movie, but it, it has a warm place in my heart because it's so bad. Um, uh, I don't know if you see the 2004 film Mind Hunters. Um, so Mind Hunters is like a imagine a poorly updated version of And Then There Were None. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where they are all like um, they're like FBI profilers, but they they're all on an abandoned island where they're doing their final FBI profiling, and then they start dying one by one. Yeah. Uh, it's their leader is uh, is uh, Val Kilmer. And their um, 
their like teacher, and then like the head of the squad is Christian Slater. But then like the crew includes the blonde woman with the rat's nest from Cold Case, like the one. <laughs> and 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 oh, first off, Johnny Lee Miller from Sherlock, right? But then also the the guest who becomes part of the crew with them is LL Cool J. It is a terrible movie, but it is everybody being killed in a methodical fashion and trying to figure out who did it. And so I'm never sure if this fits in a horror genre, but if that's if you ever want to invite me back for a non-black that's <laughs> not a terrible movie, I will 100% do that movie because I hate it and I love it in equal measure. We will, we'll have to look that up and see it because it sounds amazing just from, from what you said. It's like, it's like if you wanted and then there were none, but had LL Cool J and it was about the FBI profiling serial killers, then yeah, yeah. there you go. Who doesn't want that? That just sounds I mean, delicious. Apparently the American public didn't because it did not do well in theaters. <laughs> what do they know? They don't know shit. I mean, they didn't love Demon Knight either, which is disrespectful because I definitely looked up the Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. On the and I was like, it does not deserve a 38. It deserves at least a 50. Yeah, it's get a 50. It's not above a 55, but it deserves a 50. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, again, it is. It's fun. It's a great, you know, pop some popcorn, you know, have some fun with friends, you know, mix it up with, you know, I don't know, some other demon, you know, movies, Satan movies, you know, it could be a fun night of uh, of watching. So, yeah. yeah, I you know, it's like, I don't expect, again, it's out of Tales from the Crypt, which I expect campiness. I expect, you know, ridiculous gore that makes no sense. You know, I expect puns and I expect like random ass celebrities to be in it. That You're like, what? How? How did you get here? You know, uh, everybody's supposed to be here. Like, come on in (laughs) here, Deborah Cox. Um, Again, there's just so many great actors in this, in this movie that I was surprised that I was like, what are you all doing here? Also, can we have a a moment for the plots that go nowhere in this movie? So like, I'm the, I'm the hooker with a heart of gold. I'm sorry. The, the like plot, like the, the sex worker with the Shakespearean name. So Cordelia, who is, Sleeping with Thomas Hayden Church and or electrocuting his nipples, but also has a weird love for the postal worker who in very timely timely mid-90s fashion is about to go shoot up the post office without bullets. I had a lot of questions because there's like a whole point where they're like, oh, he forgot the bullets. I'm like, this plus. But he had grenades. He did, which as we know, because CCH Pounder was like, supper time. That is my favorite (laughs) setting yourself on fire slash exploding line. C.C. Potter <laughs> deserved eight Oscars just for the amount of conviction with which she one-handed, vodka drunk, cigarillo holding, said the word, phrase, supper time. And yeah. Yeah, she has both of my favorite lines because she has the line where she comes in and Cordelia is sitting on the table and then the cat gets on the table. She's like, I told you to get that pussy off the table. And like Cordelia jumps up and like, I was talking about the cat. That I, line. And then it. when... Um, Oh, shoot. Later. Oh, when she, like, holds up her stump, and he's like, what's that? She's like, that's me giving you the finger, asshole. Okay. A great line. line. Those two lines, every single time, I just die, because they're just so perfect. (laughs) She just delivers them. Just, ah, the acting. You know, they they did not deserve her for this. You know, they're lucky. She showed up. (laughs) They did not... Oh, my, I, I hate that uh, so for so many people, like their memories of her are going to be she's one of the voices from Avatar. And I'm like, there's she's so much more than that. Uh, I've song. never seen Avatar. 
You're not missing anything. Thank you. I was like, I've already seen Pocahontas, and I don't need to see Mm -hmm. it again. You're already indigenous, Joe. Yeah, exactly. I run the hidden pine trails of the forest already. (laughs) Taste the sundry valleys of the earth, which definitely (laughs) is a a rejected line from WAP. So yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Um, my favorite line in the in the movie is um, Thomas Hayden Church goes age before beauty to uh, Breaker, but then Breaker goes uh, pearls before swine shithead. Um, <laughs> I wrote it down to commit it to memory so that way it can be like pearls before swine shithead. Okay. Um, uh, yes, what a, it was it was so much fun and it, like. It was again, like I, I think we've we've talked about this before when we when we did us as an episode mm-hmm. uh, for for the show where it's like you know sometimes it's just nice when a horror movie is just a horror movie like you don't have to do some extra you, the extra kind of work around how symbolic or you know as us was about certain different things and for this I mean it has it has a very specific place in horror movie canon. Um, because of, like, the significance of having the black final girl hero be, you know, Jada Pinkett. But at the same time, like, it also just stands alone just as is by itself. And it's one of those kind of, it's using that kind of, you know, starting the long game of this, like, you know, soft power of, like, black people can also, black people deserve to live to see the end of the film. Um, And then at the very end, we get... um, we do get a um, a new collector who is now black as well, and it's like, oh, so now you know, game recognized game, <laughs> but no sequel. I want to see that. I wanted to see that sequel. You know, I mean, Jada I would have watched. I do have, she's got a calendar now that I imagine has a little bit more flexibility, and I would like her to do that movie. Yeah, I, I could do that movie right now. She could do. She she could do it very she well. Could. I mean, like yeah. she, she still looks to, the same. I mean, she you know, yeah. she's immortal. <laughs> so can I? So okay, this is again where I'm totally ripping this off of our friends at Horror Movie Night. But if I had to do a, um, if I had to do a like double feature with something that was not horror for this film, I would do it with Bulletproof Monk. <laughs> and here's why: because because it's the idea of like you know unexpected guardian of like ancient relic that if fell into the wrong hands will bring about the end of civilization. And that's exactly the story of demon uh, of a bulletproof monk. Also because um, outside of my viewing of demon night this week, I have also watched bulletproof monk and all three rush hour movies. Uh, because I was like, I need some, you know, I was... How much chow yun fat did you need in your life? <laughs> well, I had the, I had the, I mean, I'll probably watch, um, the second, uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean because, you know, chow yun fat is in there, but I was like, I miss Jackie Chan. I was, had this moment where I, I was watching Bulletproof Monk. I'm like, I don't like this as much. Why? It's because I miss Jackie Chan. And, and then like, and then I realized like, oh, maybe I miss Chris Tucker. But anyway, all of that to say is that I would pair these two together. Those two together. That's amazing. I would not have, I haven't thought of, first of all, I haven't thought about Bulletproof Monk in the, since it came out, which was like 2002, 2003. It was a while ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like Jamie King and then fucking Stifler. <laughs> it was definitely Stifler. I forgot about Stifler. Oh my God. That movie is I mean, it's not bad. It's just a movie that happened. I just I'm like that. It's a movie that occurred that I definitely saw in the theater. This is a movie that happened and has occurred. Yes. <laughs> um, Joshua, please save us. Bring us back to horror. 
well, I was going to say, you know, this always makes me want to watch Scream 2. I know that yeah. I know Jada Pinkett gets the Drew Barrymore treatment, but she gives it that great conversation in the beginning about, like, black horror. Uh, so it yeah. always makes me want to watch that just because I like seeing her in that. Also, again, going back, like, it makes me want to watch Set It Off. And now Girls Trip. We're going to throw that right? in there. So oh, I'm man, probably doing, like, a Jada summer. Pinkett night with uh, Demon Knight and... <laughs> Just all, all those movies. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Did um, you want to throw out a movie that you would pair it with? Oh, my God. Um, well, that's hard because, again, I would want it to be thematically something similar where you're like, we've got to save this artifact. And I don't I don't know what would be. I mean, Book Bug is so fucking out of the blue, and I hate you for it, for making me not even think about that movie for the first time in forever. It's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> really, oh, my God. No, I don't know. I don't think I have one. I don't think I have one that I think I would pair this with. I also just, I'm so glad that I got to watch this movie for you guys. Because I was like, I've not seen this one. And I'm just, That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah, that I was totally, I figured you had probably seen it at some point, you know, just because yeah. it's, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. well, how many years old now? It. 30, almost 30 it's, years it's, old. It's exactly 25. It's exactly yeah. 25. So here's a fun fact. It is now, this movie has been, it's older than Jada Pinkett was when she was in the movie. So twenty-four when she made this movie, and now wow. she is forty-nine, and I'm like, that's just disrespectful. But like, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. Um, this has been this has been awesome. Oh my gosh! Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us for our first uh, live uh, virtual class session. Uh, so happy for everybody that's stuck around who's listening. You know, we we appreciate you. Um, I did want to give a shout out because this, I still, Joe, I, I guess whenever we can be together again, you know, and I have my giant Tales from the Crypt box set. I want, to, like, there's like 10, like, you know, the top 10. Like, I want to sit and watch, you know, some Tales from the Crypt with you because I feel you need it in your life. Uh, and it does kind of further contextualize like the humor of, you know, I, I think it's interesting to see this without knowing tales from the crypt. Like I, I'd be curious, like, I don't know. It makes me wonder about your experience of it. Um, you know, without having more of the, not that you have to have it, but you know, there's just a tone with tales from the crypt. Uh, but I did want to give a shout out to, uh, queers from the crypt. They're a podcast that, uh, does, they do episode by episode breakdowns of um, of Tales from the Crypt episodes, and they've had like John Kassir on, who is the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Um, they've had you know other people from the show, and so I strongly recommend that people follow them because it's a really fun podcast. You know, it's like us, only all about Tales from the Crypt. Uh, so you should check that out. Um, TJ, anything you want to plug? You know, buy TJ's book. <laughs> oh, I did. I did write a book. Yeah, you could do that if you. Speaking of uh, Demon Knight, if you'd like to read a book about colonial South Africa and gender and sexuality, then yeah, it's called uh, uh, "Queering Colonial Natal: Indigeneity and the Violence of Belonging um, in Southern Africa." It's wherever you want to buy books on the internet. So yeah, no, that is thank you. That's super kind. Um, also, if you're still trying to support, yeah, if you're still trying to support groups. Um, I've been a fan this summer of the Okra Project, which is a black trans organization that um, commits to um, uh, buying and supplying food and really nice meals for black trans people, especially in the New York area. So, but yeah, the Okra Project. So, oh, yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. Definitely write that down. We'll we'll put that in. You know, our because uh, we we are going to release this uh, the audio from this as well. So I'll make sure that we put that uh, information oh, in Okra yeah. Project. That's awesome. That's 
Joe, anything from you? Are you starring in any any more plays on the? No, internet? no, I'm still here. Just I'm your here. Fans. I'm just my just my only fans. You know, yeah. at Cake Sitter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, that's Bone Crusher is Grinder. OnlyFans is at Cake Sitter. And then my like specialty, like my other OnlyFans that's non sexual is um, it's a mukbang uh, OnlyFans where all I do is, you know, eat cookies very closely to a microphone. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't do any of these if you want. (laughs) I don't do any of these, by the way. But if you think I should, comment in the box below. People are rushing out right now. <laughs> Find the cake, cookies, eating cookies, uh, cookies yes! and cakes, cookies and cakes. Um, no, everything is um, everything is wonderful now that I've seen you all, and um, you know to uh, you know as Thomas Hayden Church's character said in Demon Knight, um, whores don't have friends, but that's not true because I have you. Oh, so. that is that is endearing. So, and then now we're and now we're back on MSNBC, and oh, as as Tom Hayden Church said, which I feel is the most 2020 line that we could ever think of. Right? Is you know this hell on earth business? Big fucking deal. Yes, that is the mood for 2020. And when he said it, I wrote it down and said, "Big 2020 mood." This is Michelle Visage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big fucking uh, hemorrhoids. That is 2020 in a nutshell. Yeah. That is, that's, that's the truth. All right. Well, we love you very much. Thank you for joining us. Joe, <laughs> thank you as always. My intrepid, uh, um, whatever. Thanks. <laughs> Can we put that on our business cards now? Like means. Joshua, the I'm horror doing. expert and Joe intrepid, whatever. Like, <laughs> Uh, we thank you for joining us today, all of you who tuned in. Um, we yes, and you as well, TJ. Thank you for coming and and giving us your time because I know you really want to be revising syllabuses or uh, syllabi or um, videoing your next lectures that student will not watch and send you angry <laughs> emails about. Uh, <laughs> I know you really oh, can't wait. Uh, <laughs> so uh yes we thank you and good night good night <laughs> fright school is produced by joshua napier and joe farron our intro was edited by davy boy productions our logo was designed by jamie channel guzman episodes are edited and engineered by joe farron Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 